First Peter chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. I want to go back to verse 2. <clears throat> I want you to look at verse 2. It says that, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. And I want you to think about that word his for a moment. Now, I firmly believe that the context of that verse is referring to the person that is, uh, well, it's you and me. As we go through our life, we have to go through different temptations, different trials, different things that we suffer through, and it's referring to the rest of our time on this earth. But I want you to think about this from a little bit different standpoint right now, and I don't believe this is too much of a stretch of the imagination I want you to think of that word His in terms of God because I'm a firm believer that when I surrender to God and say, Jesus, I want you to become Lord of my life, that that word Lord actually has a meaning. It's not just some phrase we throw around, but I'm saying that I want you to become the ruler of my life. You know, we, we sing the song quite often called Victory in Jesus. And, and in, that, in that song it says, He sought me and He bought me. Okay? So we need to begin to think of ourselves as a possession of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all agree with that this morning? When, when I am saved, I am, I am surrendering myself over to Him, saying, here I am, you do with me as you please. So that word, His time, needs to take on a new meaning. Because often we look at our lives from the standpoint of this is my life and I'm going to give of myself to God. And I believe that's the wrong way to think. I believe that's totally the wrong way to think. Because see, when I'm saved, I'm not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. I, I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. I said that of my own will. Nobody forced me. I weighed the cost. Okay? Now, I will admit, 
that in my youth I probably didn't fully understand all of the cost that it was going to that was going to impact my life but I did understand enough to know that the the opposite of him taking charge of my life is for me to go to hell and I said you know what I don't want to pay that price I'm willing to let you take charge of my life so that I don't go to hell okay that was enough that, that was enough for me I was saying that no matter what kind of new knowledge comes in the future of what it might cost me I don't care I'm willing to allow you to be Lord of my life So y'all, I want you to see that at that point, I no longer have possession of my time. It's on loan from Him. It's His. Everything that I am is His then. You know what? Sometimes I steal it from Him. It's not mine anymore. It's His. But I steal that time back from Him. Because I think I can make better use of it. Are y'all selfish? I guarantee you I am. So these verses we've read here this morning, and I've got some more I want to share with you. It ought to put us in a position in our life where we have to do some self-examination. You can't read these verses and not reflect upon who you were before Jesus came into your heart. Verse 3 says, For the time past of our life means everything behind today. Suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. You say, well, I don't remember doing any of those specific things. Look, go read Galatians 5 and 22. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And there further down in that chapter, you'll see it talks about the works of the flesh. Okay? And just begin to examine some of those things and see how many of those have fit the way you have lived your life. Maybe even this past week. Okay? Because y'all, I may be a Christian, I may be a child of God, but I'm here to tell you today, I still drag around my nasty flesh with me every day that I have to fight against on a daily basis. Every day I have to decide to get up and pick up that cross and follow Jesus Christ and not allow my flesh to have rule in my life. Every day I have to decide that. Sometimes multiple times a day I have to put my flesh in subjection to the man of God, don't I? I have to do that continually. Okay, so I'm not standing up here this morning talking to you like someone that has overcome and arrived at the pearly gates because I'm not that guy. I'm not Him. And I seriously doubt with everything that's in me this morning that you are either. Okay? 
I've lived enough years on this world to know that people that I looked up to as a kid thinking that they had it all together really didn't have it all together. They were just human. Just like me. Have y'all ever come to that realization? Sometimes we tend to put people up on a pedestal, don't we? Thinking, man, they just, they've got everything going right. They live a perfect life. No, they don't. When they walk out that door, you know what? Sometimes those facades begin to fade, right? How many of y'all had fights with your kids on the way to school, on the way to church this morning? Right? I mean, we're human. So those things are behind us from this moment, right? I mean, this moment, y'all, I stand before you as the Son of God, a a washed and clean, holy man of God. That's who I am right this moment. Because before I walked upon this stage, I prayed and said, Lord, remove anything from me. Sanctify me, God. Wash me clean and set me apart for your use. All of that is behind me from that moment because the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover all of my sin. I'm washed clean. Look at verse 4. Who is they? Wherein they? That's all them people. Your old friends, people you work with, the people you deal with on a daily basis out in the world. It says... This is why, because you don't do this anymore, they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. And they speak evil of you because of it. Y'all ever encountered that? Well, he just thinks he's too good for us. I ain't ever said that. I've never said I think I'm better than you. I'm just saying I don't want to do that stuff anymore. I don't want to live that way. I believe that I have a higher standard that that I should aspire to. There is something greater than what this world says is normal that I need to be stretching myself to reach toward. That's all I am saying as a child of God is that I don't want to be the way I was. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with that. But what I want you to understand is that there is a whole world that wants to condemn us because they think, we think, we're better than them. The only leg up I have on them is that Jesus saved my soul and I've asked Him to be in my heart. That's it. If it was not for Him, I'm just like them. Okay? I'm trying to tell you today, I want to, number one, remind you of a few things. But I want to bring out this point that you may experience persecution because you decide to live a standard that is higher than what the world will set for you. Let's just remove all of the religion and spirituality out of the equation for a moment. Because anybody can understand things that are carnal. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Spiritual things, you have to have spiritual discernment to understand them. But anybody can understand things of the world. Alright? Let's just say for a moment that you 
have um, a gift of intelligence that is greater than all of your peers. And because of that, say you're a kid in school, you begin to excel and do better than them. And they may bump you up in, in a grade or, or you receive some sort of special treatment because of that in the eyes of these other people anyway. Not understanding that that special treatment actually requires more of you, right? More work now. Okay, so what happens in those kind of situations? We've seen it time and time again that that kind of a situation usually brings about some sort of persecution. Because you have reached a standard that is greater than the norm. You are different than those around you. Whether it was by your choice or not. People will begin to persecute you because they think you think you're better than them. Does everybody understand that? Y'all, that is the same thing that we as children of God experience on a regular basis because we have come to a, to a realization that living just however I see fit is not good enough for my Master and my Savior, Jesus Christ. He requires more of me. He requires me to stretch myself, to grow in Him, and to put aside the works of the flesh. And when people look at you, they, they don't say, oh, well, good for you. Never heard one say that. And even if they did, I guarantee you they don't mean it. Go down to verse 12. You know why this is so important today? <clears throat> I'm talking to a group of people today that are kids, parents of kids, grandparents of kids. It affects every aspect, every time frame in our life, no matter where you may find yourself, this affects you. Look at verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Y'all ever felt like that? Like, why is God punishing me? I'm trying to do my best here, and it's like every time I turn around, I, I hit a brick wall. Peter's saying, don't think it's strange when people start to persecute you and when things don't seem to go your way, quote-unquote. But rejoice. Boy, isn't that crazy? <laughs> God just does not do things normal, y'all. Peter is telling us, don't think it's strange because you're being persecuted. What you should do is rejoice in it. Now wait a minute. This don't feel very good, Peter. I don't really feel like rejoicing when everybody is coming against me because I took a stand for God, right? 
Y'all listen. He says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Huh? Now, now it's starting to change a little bit. Now it's not my sufferings, it's Christ's sufferings. You see? I'm not suffering for my name's sake. I'm suffering for His name's sake. That when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, He is evil spoken of, but on your part, He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So see, I didn't come to preach damnation to you today. Y'all, we will suffer persecution. And that is the bottom line. You will suffer persecution. And you say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean they're going to drag me out in the streets and beat me and hang me? You know what? It may not mean any of that. It may mean... You have a fight with your kids because they want to do something that you know is wrong and you have to tell them no. You know what that is? That is the flesh warring against the Spirit. Simple as that. And you say, well, it's not very enjoyable. You know what? It's not. But we can rejoice in it because we know we are taking a stand for the name of Jesus Christ, not my own. And when they come against me, they're not coming against me, they're coming against Him. I don't have to worry and fret about something bad happening because I took a stand for the name of Jesus. It's in His hands then. Now y'all, that's one little simple example that I know all of you parents sitting here today can understand. But you know what? This extends so much further than in your home. It goes right on out past your home and into the community, into your workplace, into every area of our life. When you take a stand for the name of Jesus, there's going to be somebody that don't like it. We see it in the news on a continual basis. We see it in politics, in our government. We see it everywhere we turn today. Because there is a movement in this world led by our enemy that wants to squash any reference to the name Jesus Christ. There ain't nobody that can do anything about it except me. And you need to be saying the same thing. I have to take a stand. I have to lift that banner high. If if I'm not doing it, I can't expect somebody else to do it for me. It has to be a standard that is held in my life, in my personal life, in my home, in my workplace, in my church even, huh? In my church even, right? We have to hold that standard up and it's not my standard. It's His. 
Remember what I said. It's His time. Not mine. You see, I need to take on this attitude that we talked about just a moment ago of when, when I come to the realization that I am a child of God, that I'm, not, I'm no longer a free moral agent. Do you understand that? You understand that? You see, the church does not live like this today, y'all. We are no longer free moral agents. And what does that mean? Because there may be some sitting here today that don't understand that, and that's fine. You see, before I'm saved, I have every choice in the world to do what I want to do. Huh? Is that right? That's exactly right, and that's why I'm destined for hell without some help, because I'm going to do the wrong thing, guaranteed. I have every right to do what I want to. But y'all, I want you to understand something. When I am saved, I'm no longer a free man. Okay? I have been set free from the law of sin and death, but I am bought with the price and I'm not my own anymore after that. You see, there is a standard that needs to be waving in my life on a continual basis that says, Kevin, you can't do what you want to do. You need to do what I'm telling you to do. But we as Christians take on, we take too much liberty with what God has given us and we begin to say, you know what? I can do whatever I want to. Baloney! Paul said, I can, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. These do not preach the gospel when I do them. Is it going to send me to hell? No, I believe my salvation is secure. Okay? I don't believe that, that I'm going to rob myself of my eternal salvation because I messed up and sinned. But y'all, that is not a license to sin. He said, God forbid that you should go back to those things once you've experienced the goodness of God. I'm not free to live however I want to. And I'm telling each and every one of you sitting here today that, in case you didn't know, you are not free. Once you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are no longer free to live however you please. You have an obligation to Him. You said, I don't want to go to hell. I want the alternative. He said, okay, but there's some requirements. You say, well, I thought it was a free gift. It is. You didn't have to do anything for it, but take it. But you took it. Now listen, I'm not trying to make the goodness of God sound like anything less. But I need Christian people to understand something today that there are obligations in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Master and our Savior. He did not pay that price on the cross with His blood and His beating that He received and died and went to the grave and rose again so that you can live whatever kind of sinful life you want to. He did it so that you could have victory over sin and live a life that's holy and acceptable to Him. Because without that sacrifice, that kind of life is impossible.
pretty sure I said something about rejoicing a while ago. <laughs> you say, it's hard to rejoice when I've got to give up so much. Well, <laughs> hold on now. <laughs> you hadn't weighed the cost. You need to count it. Because y'all, what I have to gain is worth so much more than anything I ever give up in this world. What I have been promised and what is, uh, what is uh, ensured that I'm going to receive is worth so much more than anything I could ever acquire in this world. Do you understand that? I don't want to give up everything I have. Are you crazy? I will give up anything I got if it's going to mean that I receive from Him, okay? He has something so much better for me, and I know it's easy to say something like that, but I want you to understand what it is He's given you. Not only has He provided you with eternal life in place of eternal death, but what He has done is He said, I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to make you a new creation. I'm going to bring life into you. And forever after that, you will be with Me. Now y'all, I don't know about what you think about what it's like to be in the presence of God and to be in heaven with Him where there is no sickness, where there is no no crying, no sadness. I don't know what you think that's going to be like, but I can't imagine it being bad. Huh? I can't imagine it being any bit less good than anything we can think on this earth. All it can do is be better. Right? I don't know about y'all and what you think about this earth, but it's not so great. Does anybody agree with me on that? It's not so great. Okay, some of you kids sitting here today probably don't understand that yet. Because your body don't hurt every day. You don't wake up and, and just say, oh my goodness, it's oh. You haven't yet experienced because you have been living under the blessings of God on your family's life. You have not yet experienced the evil that this world has to throw at you. But some of us have reached a point in our life where we see it on a continual basis. Some more than others maybe. And what we do is not look to this life for our joy, but we look to something past it that says, you know what, I've got a hope of things to come. I don't look to this temporary stuff anymore. And you see, that's the problem as a child. You don't realize how temporary this stuff is. Does that mean I don't go to the store and buy things that I like? No, that ain't what that means. It means that is not where my joy is. I might find a little happiness from time to time in some of those things. That is not where my joy is. I would throw it away in a heartbeat if I thought that thing is going to get between me and my God. Do y'all hear me this morning? Am I talking to the wall? I don't think so. Y'all listen, child of God. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. All of that stuff is worthless. The Bible says that we should count it as dumb. Okay? Count it as dung. It's worthless. Throw it out. Get it out of your life. If it is sitting between you and God, it is not worth the cost.
Keep going back to verse 2, man. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. That's how we ought to live the rest of our life. To the will of God. Y'all stand with me this morning. Brother Jack, will you dismiss, please?